you're listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlite pilot Steve Biddleton. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 14 of the Ready for Departure podcast. I'm pleased to say that since the last podcast episode aired, not only has my pilot's license dropped through the post from the CAA, but I've also flown with my first passenger. Regular listeners of the podcast will, I'm sure, have guessed that my first passenger was my wife Kat. I've flown two flights since I passed my GST and conducted my two solo qualifying cross-country flights. So this podcast episode is about my first flight post-qualification and also a second flight where I flew with a passenger for the first time, my first as a fully qualified pilot with license in hand. The first flight I took, I decided that I would pre-fly the route that Kat wanted to fly when we would eventually fly together. If you cast your mind back to the last episode where we both talked about the things we'd gone through together while I was learning and I asked Mrs M what she was most looking forward to and the answer was that she wanted to see motorways. Kat used to work as a contractor for the highways agency and still considers the Northwest motorways to be her network. It made sense to me that before I flew a new route with a passenger that I fly it on my own first. That way the area and waypoints will be familiar to me meaning hopefully I'll be a bit more relaxed. I was definitely nervous about flying with a passenger for the first time. I planned the route to fly over my house, where Kat will be watching from the garden, and then over the M62 and M60 motorways, across and up the M6 to its junction with the M65, and back to Barton following the M61. A full tour of the Northwest motorways. It was a bit foreboding to be honest, because it was the first flight that had not been run by my instructor beforehand. I told him where I was planning on flying, but he didn't check any of my calculations or ask me if I'd checked the weather or notams I had. He just said, okay, this was all on me. So that was different and new. I felt a little bit of pressure that it was all down to me now and if there were any mistakes it would be my fault. It didn't go exactly to plan. It had been a couple of weeks since I'd actually flown and I was a bit rusty on the radio so when I made my initial call I messed it up. I forgot to say the Q&H so the FISOs in the tower made me wait and cleared other aircraft first. Eventually I got underway. I'd planned that the route would take about 45 or 50 minutes and I'd already thought about if I didn't have any delays anywhere, what I would do if I did not use the hour I had the aircraft booked for. The plan was to do some touch and goes for practice. I was really glad to do those touch and goes at the end too because the first one wasn't brilliant. It was safe, but I wasn't happy with it and there's a good video where you can hear me comment that I was going to do it again, which I did. The second touch and go was spot on as was the final landing, so I was happy that I practiced that. It was a really hot day and before I'd even flown 15 or 20 minutes I was really sweating, but at least I remembered my hat. About halfway around the route, just as I was flying north tracking the M6 motorway towards Preston, my iPad, on which I had Skydeamer running, overheated and shut down. While I was using the map for primary navigation, I really wanted the Skydeamer for backup, so it made me a little nervous when it shut down, but I knew where I was so I just carried on with the flight as per my plan. I then made my second mistake. I'd stayed on frequency with Barton during the whole flight as I'd not ventured that far from the airfield and Wharton Radar, who can normally provide a large service if it's a weekday, were closed. I made the full join call rather than the shortened rejoin call. I'd forgot that I'd not changed frequencies during the flight and the reason for that is my last flights have all been cross-country flights where I've flown to other airfields so I was in the habit of doing the full join call and forgotten about the short call I could have made. What's worse is that my instructor was in the circuit and on frequency at the time so he heard it and he mentioned it afterwards. But overall I thought the flight went well. I got out of it what I wanted to achieve. I met my objectives and flew the plan. While the iPad shutting down was a bit irritating, it meant I had to rely on my navigation skills and I was pleased that I was able to carry on with just a map, compass, stopwatch and outside visual references. And funnily enough, when I flew with Kat on our first flight together, the iPad died again. 
Yep, it was another hot day and the iPad overheated in almost the same place. Unsurprisingly, this also made me nervous because I wasn't able to fly the exact same route as I'd pre-flown it the week before. This was because the park life concert was on at Heaton Park and a NOTAM was in place for the area, the border of which was very close to my hometown. If I'd elected to fly over my house again, there was a risk that I could stray into the NOTAM area if my navigation was even slightly off. So I planned a slightly different leg for the first part of our flight together, which took us into the low level route that separates Manchester and Liverpool's controlled airspace. The restriction is a maximum of 1,300 feet and the low level route is only 5 miles wide. Accurate flying is absolutely essential to ensure that airspace is not infringed. Luckily for me, the iPad and Skydemon worked for the first part of the flight and Kat proved to be an excellent navigator who easily recognised her motorway network, so that made it much easier and the first two flight legs of the flight went well. And the other thing that was a bit different was that I had to deal with a non-pilot in the right seat for the first time. While Kat and I have known each other a long time, we've been married nearly 18 years and been together even longer than that, this was my first passenger, so I tried to do a bit of a captain's brief to explain what to touch and what not to touch, but I didn't really know what to say to be honest. I did a little bit of a brief on my GST and I talked about it with my instructor on my GST prep, but it was a bit forced because I knew my instructor really well by that point and it felt a little ridiculous telling a flying instructor all about an aircraft and procedures that he knew far better than me. So inevitably there were things that I forgot to say, things that I forgot to explain. I tried to give Kat some warning when I was going to use the radio and when we were going to do descents, turns and climbs, but I didn't mention anything about sickness. It's always good to get your passengers to tell you if they're uncomfortable about anything during the flight, like for example, they're feeling unwell. Luckily for me, Kat seemed to really enjoy it, and the only thing she didn't like was the occasional thermals that would rock the Eurostar unexpectedly. I could have warned her about that because I bumped into a fellow pilot, Nicola, on the way to the apron and Nicola had flown that day and mentioned it was a bit bumpy. That should have been a prompt to me to explain about thermals and that there was nothing to worry about. The other thing I didn't do was go through any emergency pre procedures apart from how to lock and unlock the canopy, how to use the headphones and how to please not touch any of the switches. I didn't say anything about what we would do if we had an engine failure, so I definitely need to work on my captain's brief for next time. And also the other thing I probably should have mentioned is that sometimes I might go a bit quiet, for example when I'm taking off, landing, or thinking about the next ta task I need to do or the radio call I need to make. I suppose I was fortunate that Kat had seen quite a few of my videos and other pilots videos such as the excellent Rory On Air series as we are both big fans, so she understands what goes on during those critical phases of flight. Chances are that my next passenger won't have seen as many videos. So definitely some learning points for me, but I think overall the flight went really well. Not without errors, I forgot to pre-program the Manchester Radar's radio frequency before takeoff, so I ended up doing it after I'd climbed into the overhead above Barton, but I was generally pleased with my performance. I've made a video of the flight, no audio unfortunately, but you can see highlights of our trip by clicking onto episode 14 on the readyfordeparture.uk website. The last thought I had about my first flight with a passenger was my landing. If you watch the video you can clearly hear me say rubbish landing because at the time I felt I'd made a mistake judging the wind and had not set up for a crosswind landing. However, having watched it back afterwards I can see that there was not much I could have done differently. The wind was very light but it veered from headwind to crosswind at the last minute, literally just as I crossed the threshold of the runway. I was no longer looking at the windsock, I was looking straight down the runway and the Eurostar moved left a little off the centre of the runway just as I touched down. It was still safe, a go around was unnecessary and we rolled out just fine. So all in all, I'm generally pleased with my first two flights post-qualification, but I think it's good to analyse each flight and understand where things went well and where I could improve. 
I'm looking forward to more flights with passengers and I'm sure the next few podcasts will feature aspects of those flights. And that's it for this episode of the Ready for Departure podcast. If you enjoyed this one, then please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ready for Departure. And if you'd like to give us a star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be fab. And the podcast is also available via Stitcher, Radio Republic and many other podcast providers. If you're an Apple hater, you can download the episodes in MP3 format at www.readyfordeparture.uk. Please do follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash readyfordepart. And we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash readyfordepartureuk. And feel free to suggest anyone you think we should have on future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.